Good morning. It's great to see you all. Let's just uh, bow our hearts in prayer. Lord, we just uh, thank you for this morning. We thank you for the many blessings that you give us. We thank you for these children. And what an encouragement and a joy they are in our lives. Lord, I pray for them that they will grow up to be men and women that follow after you. Lord, I just pray for this short time, remaining time we have together this morning, that your spirit, your word, would speak to our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm Don Stuber. If, uh, if you don't know, if you're new to our church, um, uh, we, we have our kind of a rotation of ministers. Uh, and so if you're new to us and uh, you want something different, come back next week. There'll be a different, different minister. But we have been uh, having an Advent series uh, starting last week and going until Christmas. This morning we will be, we've been looking at uh, the Gospel of Luke chapters 1 and we will be looking at 2. If you have in your pew Bible, it's page 855 and 856. And uh, growing up in in years past when I was a young, uh, younger child, we didn't make a lot about the word advent and an advent series and and in our church and so looked up advent in the dictionary and it says the arrival of a notable person and so today we do celebrate and we look back at the the arrival of a notable person Jesus God himself incarnate coming to this earth to live as a human. And so we look back, we celebrate the past. But you know, the Bible's very clear, the Word of God is very clear that there's a second advent. There's a coming again of Jesus. Not as a baby born in a barn, as a sacrificial lamb, but as a coming king and Lord of Lords. And so we look forward to that. So kind of combining the two this morning, our, our, our purpose this morning would be, as we look, and we're going to look at Mary this morning, as her heart was prepared, as her heart was cultivated as she was prepared for the coming of the Messiah, we want to look at her heart and then look at ours and see, are we prepared for the second advent, for the second coming of Jesus Christ as Lord of Lords? As... uh, Brady was kind of putting together this series, and last week we had John the Baptist in preparation. Today we're going to have the, use the word cultivation. Next week is anticipation and then celebration. And I asked, I asked Brady, you know, where did this cultivation come from? He said, well, I needed a word that ended in T-I-O-N. And being a farm boy... 
and knowing that uh, you can take the boy off the farm, but you can't take the farm out of the boy, I think cultivation is very fitting for his desire for this morning and, and my message. Cultivating, preparing, preparing the soil. If you were read, it, read the, in the Advent uh, scripture that, that the church handed out, you know, part of this morning or this week's reading was the parable of the soils, the soil that was prepared, ready for the seed of the Word of God to bring forth life and fruit. And we went through this morning, examine our hearts. Is it cultivated for the Lord? To receive His Word, to grow, to prosper, to prepare spiritually. And so we want to look at Mary's heart this morning, starting in, in Luke chapter 1. We'll be looking at basically 26 through 55. We won't read it all, but we'll keep referencing back and forth in those verses. In, in verse 46 through 55, we have a, a part of Scripture that has become known as the Magnificent or Mary's song. It's widely known and widely used. It's words of Mary, her declaration. And we see in what she, her words, she reveals her heart. A heart that was cultivated and ready for the coming of the Messiah. And so, the question overall this morning that I would like each of us to consider is, is our heart ready and prepared, made ready to receive God's word and to be prepared and ready for his coming, for his second coming? Whether it's after we're in the grave and we are, our souls are risen to him, to meet him, or whether... It's commonly known as the rapture when he comes in the clouds to gather his own. Are we ready? Is our heart prepared? Is our heart cultivated to receive his word? So as we look at this morning, I'd like to, we need to consider the context of this story, of this account. I don't like to use the word story because it's an it's a account of what took place. We look at Mary, and sometimes we look at this, the, the people in the Bible as maybe superheroes with superpowers. That's kind of common in today's, in our comics and in our, much of our media. But we need to understand, these people in the Bible were just like us. They were humans. They had hopes, they had dreams, they had fears, they had emotions, they had victories and failures, and Mary was no different. She was a young woman. She was, the scripture says she was betrothed, or we would use the term engaged, although it was, it was much deeper than our engagement. It was actually a legal contract to be married. 
And, and if you have any questions on a Jewish marriage, go talk to Steve because he's, he's the expert on it. But it, it has so much richness, richness in it that the, the, the couple would become betrothed, be, be entering a contract of marriage, but the, the husband would go back home and prepare a home. They were separated, living apart. And then at a time when he was ready, he would come and receive his bride and take her home. So this is the period of time that Mary is in. She knows at any moment her husband would come and take her to be his bride and consummate their marriage and live together. And suddenly... The Lord, an angel comes and says, you know what, Mary, you're going to have a child. This child is going to be the Son of God. You're going to, have a, you're going to get pregnant, and you're going to have this child. Talk about your world being turned upside down. I don't know that there could be much of anything more drastic change. Verse 28 says, And he came to her, this is the angel, and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. Remember, Mary is human, just like us. Can you imagine the thoughts going through her mind? What will Joseph think? Joseph will never believe me. I will be a single mom. My marriage will be broken. I will live as an outcast in our society. And so Mary, it says in verse 39, in those days Mary arose with and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judea where she went to visit her cousin Elizabeth who was the mother of John the Baptist. If we read the account of Joseph in Matthew, it says when he found out that, that Mary was pregnant, he decided to divorce her quietly and just protect her as much as he could and go on with life. And then the, he had a vision. In the vision, the Lord told him that this baby that Mary was carrying was the son of God and that you should go ahead and marry her and, and it says he immediately got up and took her as his wife so I would propose as we continue on in this chapter that at this time when we look at Mary's song at Mary's declaration that she did not know at this time what Joseph's reaction was going to be If you've put together the timeline, and it's not for sure, but it would seem that Mary found out she was going to be with child from God. She went and visited 
Elizabeth. And then it says, in three months she went back home, and at that point, the Lord spoke to Joseph, and he took her as his wife. So I think it adds some, some context to Mary's words. I think we see that in the midst of this upheaval in her life, not knowing what was going to take place, knowing that it was going to be different than she had expected, her heart was prepared for the Messiah. So Mary's declaration, starting with verse 46, and it simply says, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. Think about it. She had no idea the future she faced, whether she would be an outcast in society, but she said, my soul magnifies the Lord. See, her desire, her, her motives, her actions, her heart was to magnify Jesus, not herself. To magnify, to make visible to others the Lord. When, more, when Mary went to the, the marketplace to buy groceries, she magnified the Lord. When she was in conversation with her friends, she magnified the Lord. The way she lived her life, she magnified the Lord. Others could see the Lord in her heart and in her life. So our first question, or maybe it's the second question, I already asked a question. But a question, does your soul magnify the Lord? See, we come out of the womb self-centered, don't we? You know, these children up here, we love them. They're so cute. But when they're tired and their brother or sister hurts them, it's all about them. It's all about what about me and my. And we're all like that, aren't we? Just go on Facebook see the comments, see what people are projecting. How much of it is magnifying the Lord and how much is it see what I do, see where I'm at, see how good I have it. See, we want to magnify ourselves. Luke 9, 23 says, and this is Jesus, and he said to all, if anyone would follow or come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That was Mary's life. Yeah, she didn't have the, the rest of the gospel, but she had a deep faith in God. And she had a deep desire to magnify the Lord. She goes on in verse 48, or 47. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Isn't it interesting that Mary realized 
her desperate need of a savior. Mary was a sinner, and she needed a savior. Sometimes we don't even like to think about that. But she knew it. She declared it. God is my Savior. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Another question. Do you embrace your desperate need of a Savior. Because Romans 6.23 declares, for the wages of sin is death. We need a Savior. I need a Savior. You need a Savior. Mary needed a Savior. And Jesus, the Lamb of God, Sacrifice for our sins is our Savior. Verse 48. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, generations will call me blessed. Mary realized that of herself... She was nothing. She was just a wallflower. She was just this innocent young woman. And yet she realized because of Jesus, people would call her blessed. Now when you think of a blessed life, if I said, well, so-and-so lives a blessed life, what comes to mind? Isn't it probably financially they, they... they're adequate, they can pay the bills, they have a, a decent home to live in, uh, no great tragedies in their life, a relatively good health. They live a blessed life. Do you ever consider Mary's blessed life? We already talked about the turmoil of not knowing what her marriage status would be and what her, the people would view her as. But consider Mary's blessed life. At nine months pregnant, she traveled somewhere roughly around 90 miles, either walking or riding a donkey. The Bible is not clear. My daughter and her family are coming from Christmas from Colorado. She's six months pregnant. And she dreads it, and I dread her plane ride here a couple hours. Think about it, how blessed Mary was to walk or ride a camel 90 miles, nine months pregnant. She gave birth to her son on a manure-covered floor. How blessed. You know, as a farmer, I've witnessed thousands, literally thousands of births in a barn, calves, Lambs, pigs. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy, to have a baby born in a barn. Let alone my wife or daughter or daughter-in-laws 
or granddaughters. But that's Mary's life. She laid her newborn son into a saliva-soaked trough. And then they had to flee to a foreign country to save the life of her child. In the dead of night, travel through the desert to a foreign land. Then she had the challenge uh, at, at 12 years old. Her son went missing for three days in a strange town. They had no idea where he was at. She had the challenge of raising a perfect child and unperfect children alongside him. In John 7, 5, it says, For not even his brothers believed in him. Sibling rivalry. Can you imagine James or Jude? Mom, he's your favorite. He's just perfect. And Mary, you know, as parents, we're already don't know what we're doing. Can you imagine raising a perfect child? That'd be worse than raising a sinner. I imagine there were many times where Jesus or where Mary knelt and said, God, I don't know what I'm doing here. She lost her husband. She ended up a single mom. I don't, we don't really know how old her, she was or her children were at that time, but we knew no, by the time Jesus' ministry came about that, that Joseph was no longer there. And then she was so blessed. That she watched her son nailed to a cross. But Mary wasn't looking at the temporal, at her surroundings, at her good life. She was looking at the eternal. And we know that Mary was blessed because her Savior was her son. And today we can be blessed because her son is our Savior. Forty-nine and fifty. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him. You know, there's, there's so much in those two verses, and we can't near cover it this morning. But Mary understood the holiness of God and the mercy of God. All wrapped up in one. See, our society today would like to consider Jesus and say, and just look at the merciful side, you might say. That, well, he just loved and accepted. Look at the way he treated the sinners. He loved them. Can I propose with you this morning that Jesus loved the sinners, the publicans, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the immoral, 
but he never enabled their sinful lifestyle. He never condoned or accepted their sinful lifestyle. He came and he died to save them from their sin. And he is holy. And he states, 1 Peter says, 115, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Mary understood the holiness of God and the mercy of God. She knew that she didn't deserve it, and yet she understood that her God was holy, and his desire for her was to be holy. And then she goes on and really recites history. The workings of God. And to remember how he has shown himself. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. See, Mary put her faith in the God of promise who had gone before and and last week Micah talked about how there had been 400 years of silence for the Jews from the prophets until John the Baptist. And yet Mary, even though there was this 400 year gap, still put her faith in the promises and in the word of God. She recited them of God's promise and God's provision in the past. And she had her faith and knew that God would provide for her. See, Mary had surrendered to God. She had allowed God to cultivate her heart. Her heart was open to whatever God gave her. In verse 45, uh, Elizabeth states to Mary and says, Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Do you believe this morning? Do you believe the word? Is it just words? In the, in the Advent reading that, that in the pamphlet, there's a prayer for this week. And the prayer says, Father, cultivate in my heart. Cultivate my heart into a heart of good soil. Reveal in me where my heart is hardened discouraged, or distracted. Is that your prayer this morning? Or is it just words?
See, Mary's heart, in verse 38, and Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You know, this morning, you may be sitting there thinking, all this story of this virgin birth, all these stories in the Bible, they're just fairy tales. They really aren't true. Would you allow God to cultivate your heart to be open to Him? If that's where you stand this morning? Because I'll tell you, God is real. And His Spirit, if you will allow your heart to be open to Him, I firmly believe that He will reveal Himself to you. And if this morning you believe it, but your heart's hard, there's weeds growing, and it's just just not real to you. Could you make it real this morning? Confess before God. Repent. And let God prepare your heart for his work and his word. Could you pray that prayer and mean it? Father, cultivate my heart into a heart of good soil. Reveal in me where my heart is hardened, discouraged, and distracted. Let's pray. Lord, we we thank you for the, the people in the Bible that surrendered to you. Lord, we know that they had the same fears and concerns and emotions that we have, and yet they surrendered to you. And we thank you for Mary. And how she allowed you to work in her heart to prepare for the Messiah. And Lord, as we study scripture, we know she did not understand all that was in store. She was expecting her son would be a king, as David was, and she watched him die on a cross. For me, Lord, prepare my heart to receive you. I pray this in Jesus' name.